Welcome to First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis, the birthplace of Congregational Humanism. We carry on that tradition of free thought today, dedicated to promoting a free search for truth, meaning, and justice. Our web address is firstunitarian.org. I'm David Breeden, Senior Minister. Welcome. And what we want to do today is think about spiritual generosity. And the the last two lines of that poem, uh, keeping in mind, fleeting temples we make together when we say, here, have my seat. Go ahead, you first. I like your hat. What if those are the true moments of sacredness? And as you know, I've been saying that for um, all fall. Have been saying what we are creating the sacred together. I say that because that is part of the humanist belief system. Human humanity creates the holy, the sacred, including all the holy books, sure, but the feeling of sacredness that we have within ourselves. So I want today to uh, go to a slide and talk a minute about John Dewey. Uh, As you know, we come out of the John Dewey tradition of pragmatism. We're doing a constructivist way of doing our whole life education. Mm -hmm. And, And John Dewey said this, God equals the active relation between the ideal and the actual. Teach. Okay, so here's your Venn diagram. You got the actual, you got the ideal, and you got God. Now... The interesting thing about this is that this is neutral, isn't it? As I've too often said, everybody's God agrees with them politically. Uh, It's often unfortunate uh, because my God wants, you know, women controlled in bedroom and all. Yeah, my God says women. Yeah. Well, that, that's God. That's, that's what we're arguing about is the ideals. But let's go to the next slide. And we say human action, actually, then, for Dewey, is God, right? Human creativity, human action between the actual and the ideal is where we are. And what Dewey will say is, yeah, you can go right, you can go wrong here. But since we believe in democracy... We're going to talk it out a little bit. We're going to consider what this human action can do in the actual and the ideal. And we liberals are going to say, what do we need to do? We need to increase human flourishing. We need to build generosity into our climate, into the way that we act. And so John Dewey is often... He's a pivotal figure from the 1930s in that he said, okay, liberals, you can use the term God. Go ahead. And then later he said, well, I think I made a mistake about that because now all the liberals, <laughs> oh, I believe in God, but, you know, it's not the same God as the conservatives believe in. So, yeah. so where are you going with that It uh, yeah. becomes the question uh, in terms of the spiritual generosity uh, that we're talking about. Do we want to conserve or do we want to pr- progress out there? In the way. Now, I say this because you know what? This is actually quoted in the uh, in a uh, sermon that we're going to be looking at today at noon. Wendy Jerome, where are you? She's here somewhere, and she's going to be talking about a Carl Storm uh, 
uh, who was a senior minister here, and he actually quotes this particular bit from John Dewey as God being this active relation, and, and then he says, why are we even, why do we bother? Why, why, do, we, why do we use this term if this is yeah. what we're talking about? Yes, please. And, and also, we have Jay here today. One of the things that we've been talking about is how do we begin talking about the many kinds of humanism? That's why also we'll have Anthony speaking a little bit later mm -hmm. with, a, with an Afro-Caribbean way of looking at humanism, right? But yes, please, Jay, take no, it I'm, away. I, just, I, you know, I agree with you. Um, I, I'm heard, right? Okay, there we go. I, you know, I, I agree with you, and I think like it's it's interesting as you come from John Dewey. I immediately go I immediately go to James Baldwin around his quote around if God had any any validity at all, right? If the concept of God, and he does make that very clear, the concept of God has any validity at all, right? It should make us more loving, mm -hmm. right? More freeing, yep. right? So when we speak to this ability uh, that Dewey is pointing out around human action as a concept, maybe, you know, in a lot of our humanist spaces, I would agree that, you know, God is not in the equation for most. Um, you know, as, as an individual, you know, who even has explored work with Dr. James Cone of liberation theology, he points out in Spirituals and the Blues, in his book, Spiritual and the Blues, he points out that um, even black seculars um, particularly, it is not that they, that they are secular by means of Western notion, um, right? But the process there is not just a getting rid of God in the words of what James Baldwin does. He actually pushes and says that it's the opportunity that some seculars actually just ignore God. Oftentimes, if I talk to my, my, my mother who, is, uh, who, who has a very close relationship, right, to her her religion, her religion and her relationship with God, right, immediately I ask, well, does God have to be in the equation? Because it's not that I'm not interested in engaging her based off of her knowing, right? That's a formation of knowing for her. And I'm not going, and, and it's, my, it's my, my humanist value to honor her epistemology, her understanding of how she has moved and survived in the world, okay? and maintain that integrity and then meet her and arrive with her in that journey and say, well, what part are you, right, in this equation, right? right? So if God is not there, I'm just wanna ask further, who are you? And I think that that is a very important call to about being generative, that when we ask who are you, we are not only asking, from a space of, of, of actual kind of emptiness. We're, we're asking you to flourish, as you said. So, you know, I think that's, you know, as we think about kind of this spiritual generosity, how we name spirituality is also not constituted on God. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, that's one of the central things that we humanists have, have I think, mistaken over time. Um, because, as I've often said, African-American humanism and, and Euro-American humanism are not the same. They grew up in the same soil. 
mm-hmm. you know, but there's, it's a birch tree and an elm tree or whatever, right? They grew up in the same soil of the United States. They used the same ideas, but they were going in very different places, yeah. going to very different places. The liberation that white humanists have had to have would be like being able to serve on a jury, which we couldn't do until the 1960s, uh, for example. But those were always civil liberties, right? Civil liberties. It wasn't about being oppressed openly in the street, right? And that's the difference. Uh, And so I always say that African-American humanism is totally about liberation. Mm -hmm. And we have to, as white humanists, we have to reach toward that idea of liberation, I think. Because that's the answer for us, all of us uh, in, in humanity, I think. Mm-hmm. My humanism is not, a, if, you know, anyone I work in these circles with, if I'm not attached to liberation, that's not humanism for me, right? Um, and I find it to be very important that when um, um, my advisor um, during my PhD uh, wrote a book uh, on the African bur- burial grounds in New York City, and um, she talks about spirituality, um, and she's um, kind of a um, naturalistic humanist, so her, her framing was very interesting. She frames spirituality and names some very important things as she's doing this research. She says that spirituality is a reclamation of time, space, and memory. Time, space, and memory, a reclamation. And it's very important because this aids us as humanists to understand the importance of our own agency, our capacity, and how we arrive. And what would it look like for most of us in this space not to only sit with the way that we, you know, show up in space, but really arrive? and arrive in a way that allows for us to know who we are. And when we come into that space, we offer folk an opportunity to become. Not belong, but become. Most of our congregational spaces are really still stuck, and a lot of our spaces that we want to hang in sit in a space of belonging. But becoming is where the generative happens. Right. Well, and, you know, the, the, one of the interesting things, you know, we, we don't proselytize. We know that. It, but I was looking at uh, why do some religious traditions proselytize? And the, the interesting thing is that the religions that proselytize are those that are the most difficult to believe in. So why do you get people out on the street proselytizing? Because when they get spit on, they believe in it more. Right? <laughs> and the more they get fu- made fun of, they believe in it more. So here we sit. We, you know, we, we're, pretty, we're pretty convinced that we're right here. So we're going to go home, and we're not worried about it. <laughs> but folks, <laughs> look around us, and America is, not, uh, is often not agreeing with us. So to live as a liberal both socially and religiously, whatever that means, that's not easy. But we are called to do it because our opponents are doing it very well. 
if we, could, if we can go to slide real fast here, I do want to share something. This is from the actual typescript of Carl Storm from the 1960s, and that's what we'll be looking at at noon today. I want to share what he had to say about religion after he has quoted Dewey. I will read it so you don't have to read ahead. I know y'all, we can't hand you things because you're going to read it. I'll read it to you. Still, says Carl Storm, I would venture the remark that no one can give up religion itself. They can only give up certain religious beliefs. For religion is grounded today as it always has been in the unavoidable necessity of relating ourselves in some way to the universe and to the world and of enlarging individual and social values. You see that? Connect to the world, increase individual and social values, the good things, to do so with intelligence and courage and dedicated commitment to the enrichment of life is of fundamental importance, and whether we are acknowledged to be religious is quite inconsequential. Mm -hmm. As I've said from up here a lot of times, I don't care if you think you know, what you think religion is, it is a European invention. Europeans went around the world saying, what's your religion? I ain't got one. Well, then we get, we've got a Catholicism just for you. <laughs> All right? Everybody gets Catholicism. <laughs> yeah, y'all yeah. Yeah. get over there. <laughs> or, or we'll kill you. You know, <laughs> uh, you know uh, but yeah, but uh, no, religion is that which, which you live in as your highest belief system, <laughs> right? Whatever you want to call it, and you can call it secular. I call mine secular most of the time because that's what it matches, secularity most of the time. But we have always, always been accused of being irreligious, unreligious, heretics, but no. We are holding to the highest mm -hmm. spiritual generosity of giving. That's what humanism is about. Right? You know, it's funny because, I mean, John Dewey, John Dewey points to that as well, this idea of, like, when we talk about our humanism and we talk about, you know, being a religious humanist, um, it's, you know, our, the words... The words and what they mean, this is why it's very important for us to have not just definitions, but ethics, right? That our ethics help us clarify how we move and, show, and, and, and right, be in our practice. Because we don't always use this. We, we might use similar language, but it doesn't right. always right. come out in the same way. And so the ethicist is always engaging in a progressive practice of constructing and deconstructing. So it's not just a situated definition. So when we think about like Dewey's early work, we see that pragmatism kind of taking place even with language and how he talks about right. really the religious is the ideal, right? The value, right? right? Values, values over beliefs. So if you don't use the word belief, you use values. If you're not using the term, I have a religion, well, you have a congregation, you have a community, right? right? I, I, I'm a communal humanist, I am, right? Because some people are humanists and they're individualistic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that can happen. Um, and that's very real. And so how we, how we offer people to practice with us is our ethic in being in right relationship and seeking right, right relationship, meaning an equitable one of one of understanding and compassion.
I want to end up by reading that poem to you again. And this time I have it on slides so you can follow along. And by the way, one of this, the, part of this belief here, you know, uh, Jay is here this year helping us develop a curriculum for our K through 100-year-old group. <laughs> and part of that is we are being very conscious of the fact that African-American humanism and Euro-American humanism are not the same thing. But we can be in the same room, and we do have the same goals. And white liberals, you need to know black people. <laughs> get, you know, get, get to know some black people, uh, you know. Uh, we're they were quite lovely. Yeah, you know, it's like... <laughs> but, yeah. And, and that's what we're doing, too, you know, because we can't sit around saying, oh, that's what the city needs to do if we don't have everyone's voice in this room. And so that's what we're doing is we're getting the secular humanist, religious humanist, congregational humanist in this building. Let me read that poem to you again. I've been thinking about the way when you walk down a crowded aisle, people pull in their legs to let you by. Or how strangers will say, bless you, when someone sneezes, a leftover from the bubonic plague. Don't die, we're saying. And sometimes when you spill lemons from your grocery bag, someone else will help you pick them up. Mostly, we don't want to harm each other. We want to be handed our cup of coffee hot and to say thank you to the person handing it. To smile at them and for them to smile back. For the waitress to call us honey when she sets down the bowl of clam chowder. And for the driver and the red pickup truck to let us pass. We have so little of each other now, so far from tribe and fire. Only these brief moments of exchange. What if... They are the true dwelling of the holy. These fleeting temples we make together when we say, Here, have my seat. Hmm. Go ahead, you first. I like your hat. Thanks for listening. You can find much more about humanism, and what's happening at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis by visiting our website at firstunitarian.org.